Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee. Brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems. A smart choice in home comfort. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This 45 Hy-Vee Honda has just been fast all day. Um, I mean, I was hoping for this, but honestly, I wasn't quite expecting it, so it's awesome to be here now. It's actually something I started saying before Barber, so I've kept on going. Every time I've been in the car, I've told the team it's a great day to be in, in America. Every, every time we come here to the IMS, at least this way, uh, we, we've been quick. Um, so coming into this year, I was, I was confident. Um, the last time I drove on this track, I finished second. I was second in both practice sessions this morning, so I wanted to up in one, and I did. Race weekend is here. Hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. Sort of trackside. Uh, this evening from the world's greatest race course, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You heard from the winner of the poll for tomorrow's GMR Grand Prix, a first-time poll sitter, Christian Lungard. Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing is back. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavett, Eddie Garrison is in Indianapolis. Kurt and I are at IMS in very different locations. I'm basically in the North 40. I'm in the NBC production truck. We lost our cushy spot in the infield and you are i think in the media center so you are more trackside than i am although if i walked out i could see turn four yeah i'm, I'm really trackside i can see the front straight away and it was great to have not only a first time pole winner but a rejuvenated ray hall letterman lanigan race team and I believe, I've not 100% confirmed this, but I, I believe it to be so, the first Dane to win a poll in the NTT IndyCar Series. Uh, and that would include all forms of the sanctioning body. So uh, good for the country of Denmark and good for Christian Lundgaard and Bobby Rahal's team. Good for them. It was a good day for Scandinavians, too, with Sweden's Felix Rosenquist starting on the front row. Uh, so it was really interesting. What did you take away most from from qualifying? Well, really, the entire day. We've got a lot to cover. You got two practice sessions and a qualifying session. So I think I think there are two themes to today. The first of which, obviously, is is how well the Ray Hall team bounced back. You know, they've only had like one single digit uh, qualifying session through the first four races of the year. And they had three today. So to, to to qualify first, fourth, and eighth is is just remarkable given how poorly they've qualified this season. And I think the other thing is just the lack of of what we would consider the top eight in the in the standings. Not much of an impact for those for those guys. Alex Pelo will start third and and Pato Award fifth. But you got to go pretty deep in in some cases to find the championship contenders. Uh, you know, 
Ramon Grosjean is is top five in points, and he's 18th. Scott McLaughlin, we know, has been really strong. He's fourth in points. He'll start 16th. Uh, Joseph Newgarden didn't make it out of the fast, uh, didn't make it out of the second round or the first round, actually. Didn't make it out to the second round. I didn't say that very well. But there's another one. Will Power starts 12th. So, you know, just up and down the lineup, there aren't a lot of championship contenders, at least as they stand right now. And I say contenders, but in the standings, uh, you know, they're pretty deep in the field for a competitive field like this one. Yeah, you look at Team Penske starting 12th, 13th, 16th. So, you know, a team, I know this is a very different track, and we talk about momentum, and maybe that matters, but you're wanting to kickstart your month of May. They've not, at least so far, they've got a race to change that around a little bit, but they've not started it in the right fashion. Uh, Andretti has their top cars with Colton Herta starting 14th. Kudos to Colton, though. <laughs> he, he was quickly to, to point out to me, hey, I think I started 14th here last year. So my response was, yeah, but it kept raining, stopped raining, so forth. But then he reminded me, I won from 14th in a straight-up race at Long Beach, so I'll give him that. Uh, Grosjean was highly disappointed starting 18th. This is a place, though, if if they have the car right in the race, one, wild things can happen, but two, you can make your way forward a bit. We've seen it many, many times where people have picked up double-digit positions. I, I think you... You know, I don't know if you said Herta is their top qualifier, but but Kyle Kirkwood starts sixth. So well, if, if I did say that, no, I just meant of the two, you know, top. Um, those are their top two guys in the championship. I think Kirkwood actually might is Kirkwood higher in the championship than Herta is. He might be right now. No, they're close, but but typically speaking, Herta and Grosjean are going to be their top two guys, at least based on experience. And then Kirkwood's going to start sixth in what is his second year in this series. Uh, but you're right. They, they've they not had a very good weekend or at least a very good Friday. And to the point about Team Penske, and you're, you know, you're kind of saying that, yeah, this is not the Indy 500 and, and this is where it really matters for the month of May. Remember, this has been an event, the GMR Grand Prix and the road course at IMS in general, the Team Penske and particularly Will Power have yeah. excelled at. Uh, what is power got five poles or six poles and six wins or a five and five, something to that effect. He's been outstanding and, you know, he's kind of nowhere to be found in the 12th spot, which is, you know, in this competitive field is close on time, but pretty far back when you figure he has to pass these hot shots to get to the lead. So, you know, not a good showing for Team Penske. They do not operate in a world where 12th, 13th, and wherever McLaughlin is, 16th. That's not where Team Penske lives, or at least historically lives. And so, they're all going to lose their lunch money if they don't uh, they don't get get on the stick. Let's go back up to the top and talk about Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan starting first, fourth, and eighth for all of those guys. This is. Uh, easily their best start of the season and obviously the first pull for Lungard. So I, I touched on this a little bit last week or whatever, you know, wondering Lungard is the one that's had some better success as far as pace. And, you know, I said, he, all three cars may not be doing the same thing. Hinch alluded that today as well, uh, that they've taken a more simple approach that 
let's don't get too far off the path. So I asked Jack Harvey about that this morning. He said, yes, I, I get that. They've tried to simplify things a little bit, but the problem then becomes, you know, in the first practice session, if you're P23 and you got a clean lap, so then no longer can you simplify things, then you're, you start to scramble and that's how you go down the wrong direction. Uh, and he said, really what it's come down to this weekend is, we did have it figured out coming in a lot based on what we've done last year because they were pretty decent here last year. And it's worked out that we rolled off the truck. We were good. We've made really no changes. Um, so I would say cautious optimism to whether they've righted the ship. You know, I don't think anyone's willing to, to declare that all is right in the world and they're going to be, you know, upper half qualifiers the rest of the time. But this is a step in the right direction and something everyone there really needed. Well, and you add in the fact that this, of all places, would be a place where they would take a step forward. Lungard yeah. has made it very clear this is his favorite track on the circuit. It's the most European uh, of the tracks. It's a place where he made his debut. He feels comfortable here. Jack Harvey, the same thing. It's the only place where he's where he's been on the podium uh, and Graham Rahal has raced well here. He's raced well in a lot of places, but I think he's got two second place finishes here in his his career. Now they've been, you know, five or six years ago. But I think if you look at all three of them, they would say that if this wasn't their best track on the circuit, it certainly would be in the top two. And you know that when you have that mojo going for you, I think it bodes well when you get everything right. On top of that, so I can't really explain three in the top eight from this team that struggled, but but I do applaud that they've uh, taken a step at least on this day. Well, it's part of the conversation when you go through and you ask someone what's going well, what's going wrong. You know, you come back to let's just look at the difference on the timesheet from first to second and qualifying. It's not a tenth, not a hundredth. We're talking three one thousandths of a second, and just. Down down the line, that close is what you're always talking about. And it's very easy for something to go wrong for someone else and it jumps jumps somebody up and, and vice versa. And the other thing is that so I guess I heard Felix Rosenquist talking about this on uh uh Connor Daly and Joey Molinero's podcast that you know, difference from European racing, I think it was Felix, maybe it was somebody else I heard, but that Basically, in Formula One, if you've got a good car, it kind of translates to just about every place. You know, the teams that are good are generally good. There are a few abdorm. Uh, how, how do you say that word? Ab. I can't. I've never used that word. I guess before. I've seen it written down. Things that are not normal. <laughs> Anomalies. That's so. I was mixing two words, wasn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in IndyCar. People are good one place, not good another place, and that's what makes it interesting. Every week you come in, not really sure, and this is really the first time this year we're really seeing things mixed up. It's been a little more status quo most of the time so far this season, so that's fun. That's what we like about IndyCar. A couple of stats you may not yet have seen. Uh, I think I read this was the, the closest 1-2 in Fast 6 history, and the like the fourth fastest one through six in the fast six era. So 
you know, that that further speaks to the closeness of the field. But on top of the closeness of the field really is a shuffling. And that's kind of what we're spending a lot of time with here in this in this uh, this evening's program is that, you know, you've got the the regular uh, guys in terms of where they rank in the standings, the top five or six guys are are just not in the conversation for highlights of the day. You know, we're talking about, you know, this this qualifying session being dominated by Team Ray Hall, which has not been great this year with Felix Rosenquist has not been the guy of the Arrow McLaren bunch that we've been talking about the most. And, and you've also got Kyle Kirkwood in the fast six and, and he hasn't been the driver of the Andretti bunch. Yes. He won a race and I don't discount that, but he hasn't been the one we've talked about the most from that group either. So we've had a, a really a, a reshuffling of the order here on top of the fact that it's ultra competitive abnormality okay. is the Ab- word that really is a word so i think i added a d in there somewhere and that's what confused me so now, now it's word of the daytime abnormality is the word we were searching for let me throw um, let me throw in one more guy that that i think i want know, another word <laughs> no another guy that um that we haven't yet mentioned who i spoke to and and just was i expected him to be pleased uh, and he was just he wanted none of it. And that's Marcus Armstrong, the rookie who, mm. you know, you know, we we kind of and maybe I'm default, too. But like, I thought that was, you know, you, you, you're qualifying 11th and he has consistently been in that 9, 10, 11 bracket, whether it was the race or qualifying, even in Barber uh, qualifying when he got penalized and got sent to the 26th starting spot. You know, he has been a ninth, 10th, 11th type of guy, whatever session we're talking about. And so to be consistently there again, I would have thought he'd have been just like, yeah, this continues and we continue to show, we continue, yada, yada. yada. He wanted none of it. <laughs> he is, he's not happy. He was like, we should be, we should have been in the fast six and uh, good on him. He's, uh, he's been really impressive and you know, as I I think I mentioned last night, he'd be in the top eleven in the standings right now had he gone to Texas and just delivered something similar to what he's done at the other races because he's been consistent and and uh, and it hasn't mattered whether it was qualifying practice or the race. He's just been good. Yeah, I get that that they're a little disappointed because they were they were pretty good and they were coming in thinking that maybe it was a top six car. Part of that is his competitive nature, and he's been very understated when you compliment them it's like oh yeah that's the job i'm here to do um so i think that's one of the reasons why people like him are good is that they expect to be up there in in that situation but yeah he's ahead of what uh five indy 500 wins with the two meyer shank guys in the points uh one is a champion and has finished second a couple of other times he's ahead of a race winner in remus vk uh, in the standings and has done one less race. So, yeah, Marcus Armstrong seems to be the real deal. Let's talk, touch on Rosenquist and kind of go back into, you know, I mentioned last night all the guys that I think it would be very much in their best interest to have some results here uh, in the Indy 500 and, and I think possibly Detroit before things really start getting settled and they can really – 
improve their fortunes. And some of those guys did really well today. Felix Rosenquist, Jack Harvey. Who else in that category? I guess that's the only two in that upper half. You know, I would say this is a positive day for Devlin DeFrancesco, too, to start 15th from the way it's been going. That's that's a step in the right direction until the final few seconds. He was going to transfer into Q2, which he's only done once in his IndyCar career. So those are the guys that come to mind that helped their cause today. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I, I very quickly went to the to the Felix Rosenquist and Jack Harvey uh, mentions and you know Jack will be he'll be spirited and and motivated like like few others in the field tomorrow because this is a big big opportunity for Jack and you know his last two years have just not been not been what he signed up for uh, and and we would have expected uh, it's been a it's been a struggle and obviously you know we we've talked pretty extensively about Rosenquist. And his ability to secure, you know, a really quality ride for next year. And maybe that's in the car he's in. Uh, so, you know, a win would a win would probably land him a really quality ride. And I think he'll probably get a quality ride anyway. But, you know, he, this might go a long way if he could win this race to securing the ride he has now for the future. Okay, I was... Uh doing a lot of things today, entertaining some partners of Jackson Lee Racing, uh, doing a lot of broadcasts, watching a little bit of on-track action. So I'm a little bit behind. Tell me, are there other things happening? Are there other news and nuggets going on that we need to share? Well, uh, no, I don't think there were a lot of news and nuggets. In fact, uh, I might argue that uh, it was a pretty quiet day despite you know we had just that sprinkles and if you were around at the racetrack today if i know some people were starting to come in for for qualifying and starting to get that rain i think one of the things that was surprising right off the bat is elio castroneves lost an engine you know very early in the session the first session the first practice and that's an engine as i believe he told you on the broadcast and i talked to him later but that that's an engine that that uh, they were going to have new. for the Indy 500 qualifying. So that yeah. was a brand new engine. So a unique situation there. Uh, Colton Herta having the uh, kind of an oil fire of some kind. I, I don't know exactly the root cause of that, but that was uh, cost him, you know, the first practice session. Uh, those were kind of the news items uh, that we saw. You know, you didn't have as much time today to talk to drivers, whether it was on the broadcast or or us as journalists to spend time with these guys because they were just in the car all day. Um, so there wasn't really an environment where you're going to learn a lot of things. Uh, drivers were pretty focused today. and Their teams were pretty much on the track and, or planning to be on track. When you run three sessions in a day and – your first session, and then you're going to qualify later in the day. Um, it's a very compact situation. I think tomorrow we're going to have more time to poke and prod a little bit because we've got a 3.30 start on NBC. So, you know, with action tomorrow at the racetrack beginning at 8 a.m. with the junior formulas, you know, we're going to have a lot of track time and and killer, you know, time to kill and, and maybe uh, – and get some more nuggets for that we can use as we build toward open test day or open practice for the Indianapolis 500, which begins on Tuesday. I have not had time to watch uh, 100 Days to Indy, the latest episode that premiered last night and was available for uh, download 
on the CW app today. Have you seen it? I have probably not. didn't have time either. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't really have time either. Um, and honestly, my my daughter and and her husband enjoy watching it as a family uh, with us. So we've not had a chance to gather yet. So it may be a couple of days. One thing uh, we're going to bring Nathan Brown on uh, from the Indianapolis Star in this next segment, and and we had a chance to sit down and talk earlier in the afternoon while we had some time to as as you know media center guys we had some time earlier this afternoon but one of the things that's in one of the stories he's written a ton of 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 really interesting things and we talk about it here in the next segment but one of the things we didn't get to is in his latest story with mark miles mark mark suggests that this 100 days to indie program call it what you want but the reporting and the gathering of content can be packaged and they kind of expect it to continue beyond the scheduled number of episodes. So this may be, you may see more of this later in the season. And as we move into even 2024, so this, this may not be a one and done for that program. Yeah. I think that's been talked about as a possibility. And I mentioned that a few weeks ago that I'm really hoping it does well, because I think what would be hugely fascinating is seeing this silly season play out. Um, I'm still, it's probably best to do it the way they're doing it and quick turnaround, but giving us something in the off season, maybe doing the second half of the season in a different type of format, not building up to the Indy 500, but really giving them some time to develop some stories. One that would give us some content in the off season and, and maybe some, maybe people would be willing to let you in the inside, knowing that it's not going to see the light of day until after the season is over. I don't know. Maybe that's the wrong way, too, because then you lose the platform to help build short-term audience gains for your ratings. Because I think it could probably be argued, all right, somebody watches this in November, December, or January, and then you don't have a race for them to watch. What has it really done for you? So there, there's no perfect answer from that form. It probably is best to try to get new people to watch your races immediately in this form that they're doing right now. The irony is Drive to Survive hasn't convinced a lot of these young people to watch races. They're just interested in the story. And so it'll be interesting to see if, if you know, if that resonates toward races watched. Uh, but I think overall just, yeah, you know, I, I really expect, I think that this is going to be the biggest advantage for the series meaning the, the the 100 Days to Indy series, is that people will go back and watch six in a row. I mean, isn't that how we watch most series? People have told us about a TV series on one of these yeah. streaming services, and then we go watch four or five in a row. So I think that's that's probably what's going to happen. I also think there are efforts being made to find a streaming platform for this you know one of the traditionals the netflix the amazon primes the hulu something like that so that could potentially be another outlet for this investment providing even more dividends for vice and indycar down the road so kind of stay tuned on that and we shall see um all right coming up as you mentioned nathan brown in just a moment to cover this that and the other and then uh, in our final segment i'll see what we missed and we'll give you an update. It was a good day for our driver, Jackson Lee. Said he had some brake issues. Uh, still managed to top 10 despite some brake issues in it, what was a dry and a wet and then a dry race at the end of the day today in the USF Pro 2000 Championship. So we'll get into that and more. 
and get you set for tomorrow. All coming up. Trackside 93.5107.5 The Fan. This is Trackside, brought to you by Luxair Premium Residential Systems, a smart choice and home comfort on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Trackside. This is uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, literally Trackside tonight. We are joined by Nathan Brown of the Indianapolis Star, and there is sometimes a tweet that catches my attention, and obviously I've read all the stuff on the website, IndyStar.com. By the way, I struggled. I used to struggle with calling it IndyCar.com because I was always calling it IndyStar.com. Now... Can't seem to get it right. But you had a tweet the other day. Maybe it was even this morning. I've, I've, the month is already getting the best of me. But you had a tweet that said you'd gotten five stories out of a couple, uh, conversations, interviews, if you will, with Doug Bowles and with Mark Miles of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And that piqued my interest because you had links to all those different stories. You grabbed a lot of content. And I had read all those stories. I just didn't realize how it all kind of came together. But I thought it really painted a picture. The combination of those stories painted a picture of just really how much we need to set the table for for this month of May. Things you learn about, you know, attendance for the Indianapolis 500 coming up this month for how how 100 Days to Indy is going, how the facility has changed. Anyway. Good work. Good to see you. Um, I guess ready to kick off the month. I'm uh, excited to be here, here on Friday, the first day of uh, practice and qualifying for the GMR Grand Prix. I know it's not uh, the oval action that we'll get into next week, but there's still something about cars being on track here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and having fans here in attendance uh, like we didn't necessarily have for testing last month. It really truly starts to feel like the month of May when uh, when I put that parking pass on my windshield and uh, pack the backpack up and, and get ready for a, a lot of hours here. And this is fun to fun to be back and excited to see what these next couple of weeks will bring us. So you your story about attendance, so we talk about ticket sales and so forth leading up to the Indy 500. And, you know, you hear Doug Bowles talk about incremental growth and you you're kind of like, you know, I think from the outside, it doesn't really resonate that it's that big a deal. And yet I, I saw something in the story you wrote on IndyStar.com that he is thinking and the management of the Speedway is thinking that a couple years down the road, we might be back in a situation as we saw in 2016, where literally all the tickets were sold. Is that the impression you got that, and, and you must have seen this to be a kind of an important story. It was, I, I, for one am surprised that we've seen the run on sales that we've had this year compared to last year. When I think of last year, I think of it as the first opportunity that every single fan of the Indianapolis 500 and the Indianapolis motor speedway had a chance to come back post-pandemic there wasn't any sort of restriction on ticket sales like we had in 2021 and obviously in 2020 and so i was not surprised that we saw the um i, I believe ims characterized it as more than 325,000 fans that attended last year's race and the fact that ims has been able to build on that i think is a really strong sign for their future you don't have the pull uh, of that, um, you know, coming back 
like you do this year. And yet they've seen, Doug told me pretty consistently a 1% increase on ticket sales ever since they started that 500 hours of renewals that they do immediately following the race. And, uh, and that's followed all the way through here. So they're tracking on probably selling three or 4,000 more tickets than they did last year. That'll probably approach, um, 330,000. I know the number that we heard back in 2016, when you were covering this very closely was that, um, the quote unquote sellout was roughly 350,000. So there's still a long ways to go, but if they're able to continue to build not only on folks that are coming, renewing their tickets and coming back, but growing this audience when it's not for a big historical reason like 2016 or like a um, a big public celebration of coming back like it was last year, I think there's a, a very good chance if you see that 1% growth here for a couple of years, we might be right around that 350,000 number where they're having to cut off or where they, where they sell out of their uh, reserve tickets. I think Doug says that there'll be right around 10,000 or so of those um, remaining. They had 12,000 or so last year. So when those sell out, then I think as we saw in 2016, there can be a rush on the GA tickets for folks in the Indian field because they realize they just want to be here in some capacity and if they wait a couple of days, there might be a chance that they can't do that. Really cool stuff. It's it's um, it's difficult to believe that that you can have that many people here. I still go back to just just the overall sheer size of the place. Nathan Brown joins us from the Indianapolis Star. From from a standpoint of the facility, we've seen changes, and we've talked because of this GMR Grand Prix weekend. We've talked primarily about how the viewing experience down in the infield portion of what we know to be turn four of the oval, that's turn one and two, kind of a complex of corners. There's a mound there. There was always a mound. It was kind of a hill, if you will, just a kind of a, a rounded shape hill at, at initial uh, installation, but it is now more of a festival seating kind of place. There's now a new video board back there and you can see kind of, turns five and six if you turn around and you know it's it's a pretty good spot have you been down there to see it and i guess the secondarily what are some of the other changes that that you've been able to pick up on and 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 doug told you about i've not been down there um hearing you talk about it i think earlier this week um has made me want to go and check it out maybe i'll go and take in some um you know whether it's usf 2000 or usf pro 2000 or indy next races or qualifying or practice just to kind of get a sense of, of what it's like down there. Um, I had not been down there previously, but I got the sense from talking to Doug that it's almost, it has been transformed from being a couple different mounds to almost like a levee that extends around that complex. And I imagine that's just another great place that folks might congregate even for 500 race day, where it's, it's high enough that you can see turn four. And if you're, already planning on being in the infield, having something like that, especially with a permanent video board there where you can watch the rest of the action on track, I think only expands the number of people that would realistically want to be in the infield, which is great for ticket sales, as we mentioned before. Um, some of the other things that Doug mentioned that have changed, uh, if you're a, a fan here these next couple of weeks, you'll notice 
at the Midway, um, which is right around outside the media center where we spend most of our time, has been reconfigured a little bit more into a um, north-south north south, um, complex instead of extending east to west, kind of in the middle of the uh, middle of the infield there. Part of that has come because the TV compound that always was in one of those spots was moved to outside turn four. Um, Doug said that that's a pretty common thing among the oval tracks to have the TV compound outside the track so that allowed IMS to pave that space. And then they've used some of it for midway space, some of it for just additional infield parking, which is great for fans. Um, they replaced the faces of the scoring pylon on front stretch. So that's supposed to not only be brighter, but also able to be better connected to the video boards that we have across the track. So you'll see the way I envision this maybe helping the most is on qualifying where you might see some statistics from each car that's on track um, being flashed up there uh, along with the video that you'll see on the video boards and those can maybe work a little bit better. Um, there's also an additional video board that if you're sitting say in Tower Terrace or in some of the permanent or temporary grandstands um, right around the pagoda, right around start finish behind the pits, um, that you'll be able to see, which is helpful for some of us, especially that are walking up and down pit lane during qualifying weekend. Um, I remember the last couple of years, you, you see a car go across the start finish line and then you crane your neck around to see the uh, video board that's right around gasoline alley and the split on pit lane. You won't have to do that anymore because there'll be a, a board kind of right across the way, which will be really nice. Um, and then something that's not necessarily a permanent physical fixture, but um, every fan will notice whenever you're coming in the gates, we've got metal detectors um, that are outside the ticketing areas this year that IMS um, has been, I think, thinking about introducing ever since we had the Boston Marathon bombing in 2013, where they started opening and checking every single cooler that came in. Now, with this new technology, fans won't have to open their coolers. They'll be able to walk right through. And if you have a six pack of beer, um, that won't trigger anything. If you've got something else like a weapon, um, that should, should trigger that off. So it should be a pretty seamless and possibly even quicker process getting into the, uh, through the gates into the IMS grounds. Um, there'll be a couple fewer lanes but that should be, I think, counteracted by the fact that you're able to just walk right through. You don't have to take anything out of your pockets, open up your cooler, and um, should help keep everyone safe and keep those lines moving, especially when we get to race day. Yeah, I think that's a that's a big one. Nathan Brown, Indianapolis Star, uh, joins us. The other thing you didn't mention, which I think will be really interesting come the fall in September when we have a sports car endurance race i guess technically not a full-scale endurance race but obviously a a big deal for this market and new um is is the camping area that's just outside of or just beyond that that viewing mound we're talking about in turn four you know doug has been very excited about having camping in the infield you know how big of a festival area do you envision that to be and do you think that's going to be something that will be a hit with, you know, central Indiana fans primarily. The numbers that he gave me, I think it's somewhere around 160 RV spots. So you'll actually have to, you'll have an RV inside the facility. And then another 
150 to 200 either camper or tent camping spots. So you could have somewhere between 350 and 400 um, individual plots camping on the infield for that sports car weekend. He mentioned that that's a possibility that we could see both for the GMR Grand Prix moving forward, as well as the uh, Brickyard weekend in the end of the summer. So might have camping in the infield part of not just that sports car weekend, but um, just about every weekend that IMS is, is hosting big name events outside the 500, which will, will be really cool. Um, I'm excited to hopefully have my family, maybe I can persuade them to, to go and do that. I know they're not necessarily big IMSA fans, but my dad's been coming to the 500 since the 80s. And I just think it would, would be, as someone who's been coming to this track for a long time, just think it would be really cool to be able to, you know, wake up and uh, on a, a race day morning, you're here already inside IMS, not only for the convenience, but just the um, real neat nature of, of being able to camp overnight in such a great facility. Yeah, wake up and uh, smell the rubber, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That'll, that'll be cool. Uh, what are you, uh, from a competition standpoint, maybe it, let's let's take it beyond the GMR Grand Prix. We've got that this weekend and uh, race tomorrow, 3.30 NBC and, and on this radio network. Uh, this radio station is part of the IndyCar Radio Network. As you look at the month as in a in a whole from a competition standpoint, is there something as we get to the oval next week? Is there something that you, that kind of has your has your attention? I think one of the the biggest things, and we won't necessarily know from practice next week, but maybe we start to see it a little bit in qualifying as where Team Penske is at. They've really been missing these last couple of years in terms of top level competition. I think Simon was able to work his way up into the top five a couple of years ago, but um, they haven't had a car that's really factored into the winning of this race in Simon won in 2019. And that's really atypical of that team over these um, last several decades. And so I, I'm, I know they've putting, they've been putting in a ton of work the off season as they have the last couple of years. And for whatever reason, the last couple of years haven't necessarily panned out when you consider the improvement that we've seen from the likes of Chip Ganassi racing and, uh, and Aaron McLaren and, um, even Andretti Autosport and Ed Carpenter Racing in, in some effects. So that's something I'm definitely looking out for. Uh, I think it will be really interesting just to kind of see how these top four teams or so, when you think of Andretti, pa- uh, Penske, Ganassi, and Aaron McLaren, um, how they compare and contrast. I, I think uh, it's probably a Ganassi race to lose in some way if you're really just looking at one team across the board. They've got probably uh you know four of the best yeah six seven eight drivers at least in terms of recent production here at ims between sato dixon polo and the defending winner marcus erickson so excited to see if they come back with the same uh one through four depth that they had last year and then we'll just have to see if the likes of uh, Andretti or Aaron McLaren alongside Penske can have what it takes to match them and create some great multi-team battles, not only in qualifying for the pole, but also uh, when it comes to race day. A lot of good stuff in IndyStar.com, and and you can check all that out. Let me put you on the spot for one question, yes or no answer. Uh, With all this discussion we've had this week about Marcus Erickson and his future at Chip Ganassi Racing and trying to – 
you know, leverage his future and not be a paid driver or wants to be a paid driver and so forth. Yes or no, would you expect this time next year is is Erickson a Ganassi driver? Yes or no? Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll say yes, um, only because we all, I think, are the under the assumption that Alex Pillow is leaving a seat that has some solid funding from various places. And when push comes to shove, I just have to think that a chip couldn't afford to lose both those guys in the same off season. And they've got a seat that they're looking likely looking to fill. That's got backing behind it. Um, but I do think it's something that we should definitely be following. And I, I think, uh, you know, if I, I would not be surprised if, if Michael and ready and, Zach Brown and company are uh, are not having those conversations behind the scenes about how they can lure him away because as we've seen these last two years in particular, he's a, a great talent, a guy that can win races, a guy that can win at the biggest level and a guy that's very consistent from race to race. And, and that's the type of um, talent I think that you've seen more likely than not win championships these last couple of years. Well, it was a little more than a yes or no answer, but I liked it. I liked it. I like your line of thinking. Nathan, did a good job. Uh, you continue to improve and and write terrific stuff, and I would encourage anybody to get behind that paywall and and enjoy the coverage that you have week to week. Um, so hope it's a good month for you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Nathan Brown, IndyStar.com. Um, we'll be back here in just a minute and see what we missed. Kevin will wrap things up. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hi, this is Will Power, and you're listening to Trackside. Final segment of the show. A lot of stuff going on, so we save our local driver for the very end. Really good day, I think, for our driver, Jackson Lee, in the IU Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center. Race for RP, Browning Chapman, uh, and Prime 47 car. Started ninth, finished ninth, but it was anything but, but a normal race. Qualifying was wet most of the way, and he got one lap at the very end on slicks and jumped from like 18th to 7th, and then it slipped back down with a couple more guys behind him, putting up better laps to 9th. And uh, had to take the runoff early in the race, fell back to something like 16th, and came forward. After it started raining, they went to wets. He told me if I would have pitted at the green and gone to slicks and gambled, the tires were so gone at the end, we would have won the race. He finished ninth, and he was about to get two more uh, if there had been one more lap on the older tires but still a good day we had a lot of fun welcoming new partners california closets marcus hall and his group uh, out at the speedway today in our suite and we've got some more guests coming up tomorrow looking forward to multitasking and watching early in the morning for jackson's race and then a full day indy next on peacock tomorrow early afternoon indycar 330 on nbc 345 green don't be late indycar radio right here 935 the fan as well. Can't wait. Christian Lungard, first time leading the field of the green. Should be awesome tomorrow. And then on Monday, we'll recap it and start talking more about the Indianapolis 500 weekly again, daily again next week, starting at 7 o'clock. Uh, up next, Mike Thompson, Jake Query, Beyond the Bricks. For Eddie and Kurt, I'm Kevin. Thanks for joining us. 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.